Coming up, beauty therapists throw open their doors two and a half months early after roadmap alteration. Snakes begin to wake as the weather warms. The medical centre is hoping telehealth is here to stay. And RAD's two colleges have a unified message for students. You're listening to Arats Latest with local journalist Jack Ward. Hello and welcome. It's school holidays. We're beginning to get some spring weather and restrictions have eased. It doesn't get much better than that in 2020. Since you last heard from me, regional Victoria's restrictions have eased two steps and now we can leave home for whatever reason we want. I know a few people are holidaying and enjoying the return of some freedoms. Let's have a quick look at headlines this week. Of course, businesses have begun to open up again. Restrictions have eased to allow cafes, restaurants and some outdoor entertainment venues to reopen. Restaurants will open in a predominantly outdoor capacity with a group limit of 10 people and density limits. A number of local businesses are looking at how they can increase their outdoor seating, but for some it's almost impossible. Hopkins Correctional Centre has a renewed focus on staff wellbeing to support a healthy work environment. The focus comes just over 12 months after allegations of misogyny and bullying by former staff at Corrections Victoria facilities, including Hopkins. Staff recognised Are You OK Day last week and discussions following that day led to the idea of starting a series of mindfulness sessions which commenced on Friday. And lastly, member for one and Dan Tian paid the Greater Ararat Business Network a virtual visit on Wednesday, joining their weekly Zoom call to discuss issues around COVID-19 and ways the federal government can further support business. This Wednesday coming, Victorian Minister for Small Business and lower, local Upper House MP Jala Pulford will be their guest. Whilst we're on the topic of business, you may remember when I mentioned that beauty therapists were not going to be able to open until sometime after November 23rd. That's what was outlined in the regional Victoria roadmap. Well, some passionate campaigning from the beauty industry, spearheaded by Skinco owner Sarah Holland, convinced the government to change that. Within days now, not months, the industry is back open in regional Victoria. We're going to hear from two local beauty businesses now. Let's begin with Sarah. I spoke with her not long after the third step was announced. Sarah, you were preparing for another two and a half months of closure when suddenly Premier Daniel Andrews announced you'd be opening in less than 48 hours. What does that decision mean for you and your business? It means so much, Jack. Um, Two and a half months of lost income, continuing to pay my staff wages with a decrease in job seeker as well. It was looking pretty frightening and the fact that we weren't actually going to even be eligible for job seeker, um, my business, was really quite concerning so to bring it forward so much um, it's just amazing and it takes away so much stress I will definitely sleep better tonight but not just for myself it's actual other business owners I've had so many reach out in the past week of whom were looking like they were going to close their doors and I've been working tirelessly with them to um, come up with some ideas just to keep them running too so the news for them is probably even more so come in such a successful way too. So now you're able to open up again on Thursday, but not everything's going to be the same for you. Yeah, not all things, Jack. Um, Our clients are going to have to wear masks throughout all treatments. So unfortunately, we won't be able to perform facials at this point of time. Um, I can understand why that decision was being made, but also I feel that we as an industry need to educate further 
on the safety precautions that we do have in place. However, we'll take what we can get at the moment. We're not going to be too fussy. So you do think there should still be a little bit of change there? I do, Jack. And um, there's an industry, a business called Safe Clinics, which is doing a lot of COVID safety training. And I feel like perhaps once you have completed um, that certification, then maybe there can be some leniency. But yeah, I, I, I do believe, especially with the protocols that we have in place, hopefully that decision may be revised and we are speaking up in regards to that as an industry as well. At the moment, just in regards to that, is there a timeline on when that will no longer be in place or not at this stage? Not at this stage. In my eyes, I think they're thinking until like clients don't have to be wearing masks. So whenever that could possibly be and who knows, like there's no indication is there to when we can take these masks off, so I'm not really sure. Just Thanks lastly, so Sarah, I just want to ask because we, we've been in this position before where we've been positive and then things have, you know, take gone south and turned quite quickly. Is that still playing at the back of your mind or are you positive that, you know, you're open now and this is going to be it? No, I'm not positive, Jack, unfortunately. I, um, I am a little bit shocked that he has decided to open everything up before school holidays. I think there's going to be a lot of movement. Um, although I understand that Metropole can't, Metro can't travel, which is fantastic outside their borderlines. Um, there will be a lot of movement within regional though, which is fantastic for tourism, but it is concerning with the spread of situations as well. So um, I want to be positive, but yeah, it does play in the back of your mind. So this time, you know, we'll, we'll just make the most of it as much as we can. Sarah Holland there from Skinco. I also spoke to beautician Kay Pointer this week. She's very optimistic about being reopened and was actually booking customers in as soon as the announcement was made. She said that this is the news the industry and the town has been waiting for. Uh, just to, just to kickstart everyone, you know, every, as I said to you before, everyone's very flat. So to give them something to be excited about, and, and that's our job too, to create excitement and have them back in and look after them and give them lots of TLC. So it was about creating excitement today. You know, and going forward, it's a bit of positivity that, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Moving forward now, in the next week, uh, are you busy straight back into it or are you going to ease back yep. into having booked bookings? Booked out. Booked out. Gone. <laughs> As of this afternoon, we're booked. So Admittedly, so- I need some more staff and I did advertise a few weeks ago thinking that we were going to open up sooner and looking forward and looking to Christmas, yes, we we need backup. So I did put out a, a Facebook, um, you know, we're hiring. And then, of course, we'll close down. But still moving forward, yes, I need some more staff. Uh, yes, we are booked out and everything's looking really positive. Having said that, I don't know if people are nervous now about we've gone from COVID to a recession. So whether that's going to affect their mentality and their spending, I'm not sure. But I think we're lucky in our act because we have nurses, teachers, um, AME. You know, we're, we're very self-sufficient. I just want to ask, just lastly, of course, we've been in this situation before after the first lockdown. Things were looking up. We all opened up. You were back in yeah. back in business again and then it wasn't long and we were kind of teared back down from our podium and back in, back in our homes. Does that play on yeah. your mind at all? Do you know what? I kind of, I thought, 
I thought that it may happen and it did and I would not be surprised if we have a third wave. We need a vaccine. At the end of the day, we need a vaccine. I wouldn't be surprised if this is going to be a roller coaster. So we just have to be smart about we, what we do. Make the most of it when you are open. Absolutely, yeah. Snake catchers are preparing for a busy season with more people spending time at home. Licensed snake catcher Gianni Hodgson is expecting to receive additional calls this year as a result of the working from home restrictions. From like June through to August, I maybe had two calls, um, but now I'm getting maybe one a week and they're going to start getting more, bit, 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 bit more from now on as well. So I'm expecting to be busier because people are going to be home more as opposed to actually snakes being around more. Mr Hodgins said he is the only licensed snake catcher that services the Ararat area after Jamie Lind was forced to retire last year when he was bitten by a tiger snake. He travels from Beaufort to Miraburrah, Dalesford to Stall, Ararat to Lexton and across the Grampians region. He said now is the perfect time for residents to be mowing their lawns and tidying their yards as the ground begins to warm. What you can do is just make it visible that you see them before, you know, you step on them sort of thing. And that's the main thing you go you want to do. So keep the grass short, um, make sure any paths between, say, gardens and stuff, you've got clear line of sight. One thing I do recommend people doing is if they've got gardens, sort of prune the lower branches of the of, of shrubs and stuff so that, you know, good 30 centimetres off the ground so you can see under them. The snake catcher dismissed rumours going around that the presence of snakes is preventable, considering what he has seen whilst on the job. You can't really stop them coming in. Like, there are products you can buy like those snake and things apparently make a noise or something that scares them off but I mean I've been called to jobs where they've had those things pretty much plastered every metre in the garden sort of thing and snakes. Um, whether or not it was because batteries were dead in them, I don't know but they are told how it normally. Those things I can't really tell you if they work or not but I mean all I can say is I've been called to jobs that have them. Mr Hodgson said if anyone comes across a snake and wants it removed, they should call him and watch the reptile until he arrives. Coming up, is Tally Health, Tally Health here to stay? I speak with the practice manager at the Arup Medical Centre and later high schools have a unified message for students these holidays to prioritise self-care. With a story, if you have an issue or event, get in contact. You, the listener, are the heart of Arats Latest, so send me a message or email arratslatest at gmail.com if you have a news tip or an issue you want explored. Together, we can get the answers, shine a light on local achievements, and ensure everyone stays informed with what matters in our community. Local members of Sing Australia have found new ways to sing their favourite tunes during isolation. The national organisation makes it possible for everyone to sing together in a non-judgmental environment. But when the pandemic first began, organisers made the decision to put all groups across the country into recess. Co-leader of Sing Australia's ARAC group, Francesca Suffield, said it was important to protect their members who are predominantly in the older demographic. Because we have a, an older age group that we stated fairly early on in the piece that we weren't going to meet, so as not to put them at greater risk. Um, so a lot of our members are connected through Facebook and we chat to each other that way. But um, I'm sure a lot of the elderly have uh, picked up on the technology as we all, we've all had to do. A lot of them do have iPads that they can uh, tap into and not only keep in touch with us in Australia, but also with their own family and friends. 
Colin Slater is the group's national director and founder and has enlisted the help of his daughter, Gian Slater, to hold a weekly rehearsal online so members can keep their vocal cords in good condition. We're doing it in our home, so it's not like we can see each other or hear each other. We're only listening to Gian, listening into ourselves in our home. <laughs> the power of music um, lifts everyone's spirits, I think, whether... You're at a funeral or a wedding or wherever it could be, it just lifts your spirit. The local group is hoping to find ways to meet up in areas that allow for social distancing now that restrictions are beginning to ease. Technology has revolutionised the way Arup Medical Centre cares for residents during the pandemic and it seems likely that telehealth is here to stay. GPs have been speaking with their patients via online consultations since the early days of the pandemic, utilising video and phone technology. Practice manager Gary Hurst said it's unlikely that they'll reach a point where the technology will no longer be utilised. I spoke with him this week. Um, we're coping quite well. We're, um, we're seeing most, most patients that we, that we need to see. We're, um, we're busy at the moment. with um, We're generally working on three, face, three telehealth per hour and then one face-to-face. So we're just trying to limit the number of patients coming through the, the, the building. And, um, but you know, in doing that, we're getting to most people who need to be seen. And um, with the telehealth, if someone needs to be seen, then we're normally what we'll do is we'll get them to come in either in the afternoon or the next day if they, if they can, if the, if the telehealth isn't enough for the consultation. Yeah, so what, what are you seeing here locally in regards to telehealth? Are you seeing more people accessing doctors? Are you seeing less amount of appointments compared to, say, last year? No, we're probably pretty much constant. Mm-hmm. Pretty much the same, yeah. Is that what you're expecting going into this? Yeah, we were, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, we, I mean, we have, a, we have a large community and who need doctors and... Um, I think we've got currently 13 full-time doctors, which is what we're trying to maintain. And, and that generally um, provides us with a, what, enough manpower to meet the needs of our community um, and, and look after the urgent stuff as well. Mm-hmm. At the moment, what's the feedback from both, I suppose, both sides of the fence, both doctors and patients regarding telehealth? What, what feedback are you receiving? I think there's, a, there's mixed feelings for, from both sides. Some patients absolutely love it. They can just ring their doctor, speak to their doctor, get their prescriptions. And, and find that their, their health needs are met. Others really miss that face-to-face contact and they like coming in, they like seeing the doctor. And so some of that is a perception that you get a better consultation because you've got a physical appointment and seeing the doctor face-to-face. Some of that is because it's, it's unusual, it's un, un, uncomfortable doing a telehealth consultation. It's relative, it's new for the doctors, it's something they haven't done much of before. And certainly for patients, it's, it's new as well. Is this something telehealth-wise that you think will continue and change the way you see patients here in the long term? We think so. We think that um, we're not going to get a point where we say, okay, no more telehealth, we all go back to um, face-to-face appointments. The, we, in some ways, we're probably hoping that um, telehealth continues because we've, in, we've installed a lot of infrastructure. For example, we've, in, we've replaced nearly all of our computer screens and doctors' consulting rooms to ones that have a built-in uh, web camera and speakers and, and a microphone so that we can try and get away from doctors having to use their personal devices for some of that technology. And um, so there's a a lot more infrastructure updates that have happened, so we want to continue to use that. Mm. Um, It makes it convenient and easy for some patients who can just um, have a quick phone call without having to leave work, come in, wait for the doctor, see the doctor, and then go back to their workplace. So they don't have to lose as much out of the day for those appointments. Mm. Um, and But at the end of the day, it will come down to the um, MBS and what Medicare are prepared to do long term. 
and that's sort of at the side of our control really. Mm-hmm. Would you be looking at giving patients an option to whether they can do telehealth or come in? Something we probably haven't made a decision on at this yeah. stage. I, th- I think in, in, in looking at it, it probably would be up to the patient's, patient's decision once going forward. Um, I think that if the patient wanted a telehealth and we were able to provide that, then I think that we'd be looking at that as a, as a viable option. In regards to scripts and that for, pa- for patients, it's probably an easier option than having them come in. Absolutely. One of the, one of the best outcomes, I think, from, from this period is electronic prescribing. And so that was introduced back in the start of July for us as a region. And um, we probably have been a forefront in installing the technology and, and trialling that. And so it really has created an environment where we can now have a system where we don't have to print a script full stop. The doctor from their clinical software can click on the e-prescribe button. It then sends a barcode to either the patient's nominated mobile phone. So the patient gets that barcode. They can then take their mobile device or their, or they can print it off, take it to um, the pharmacy. Pharmacy scans the QR code or the barcode and then they can dispense that medication. Mm-hmm. So um, no more printing, no more... Um, no more trying to get scripts to the pharmacy or trying to get scripts to post it out to the patient if they're um, if they didn't come in, which was which was a in a way was a backward step because we've got this beautiful system where we've got telehealth operating or video health operating, but then suddenly you're going back to postage or, or fax machine or another way to then get that script to the pit to the patient. Mm-hmm. Now we can just be transmitted instantly to the patient. Lastly, I just want to say it must be a relief as a as a whole medical centre and as I suppose as a health group here locally that we haven't seen any outbreaks here. Absolutely. It's it's initially when um, when COVID first came about, we were um, all the doctors were um, quite concerned, worried, scared even that that if we had a positive case, then that was potentially going to shut down the medical centre, which then has impact on the hospital and residential care in Ararat. And um, and then over time, as we've seen regional areas not become as affected, then that kind of stance has, has been reduced so that we could have potentially, if we had a positive case, we may have only had to close down, say, a doctor's consulting room or that doctor for it until they got tested. So it certainly caused lots of anxiety and lots of um, stress for our doctors and staff. And, and particularly, I guess, being in the front line, you've got patients who are sick coming in and you never really know what the background is and whether they're going mm-hmm. to bring COVID into the clinic and then affect our operations. So we're, we're, we're very fortunate that we've been able to continue as, um, as a medical centre and treat the needs of our community. Has that kind of angst amongst doctors eased? No, I think doctors are still, mm-hmm. still, still concerned because you know, we want to be able to treat the needs of our, our patients and, um, and the only way we can do that is to be COVID-free and healthy. And following my interview with Gary, Prime Minister Scott Morrison announced that telehealth services have been extended across Australia until at least March next year. A $2 billion financial commitment from the federal government will see the program funded into 2021. Coming up, tips to ensure your summer veggie harvest is a success. This week's Your Say poll question was, should telehealth continue beyond the pandemic? More than 130 people had their say. 82% of respondents said yes, they do think telehealth should continue long term, whilst 18% said they think it should not. Ararat's two colleges have a unified message for students returning to the classroom again in Term 4. 
all primary school students will return to school in the first week of term as normal, but secondary school students will not return until the second week to protect the general assessment test for Year 12s. I caught up with Marion College's Head of Wellbeing, Steph, and Ararat College's Welfare Officer, Taylor, to discuss the importance of student wellbeing as schools return on site in Term 4. Steph, I might start with you. How are the students going at Marion College? I feel like this time around, we're a little bit more prepared for what was about to happen. So I feel like this time around, things have gone a little bit better. And, and we've talked a little bit about self-care and, and, and doing things to, for your own well-being a little bit more. Um, so I kind of feel like it's hard to get motivated sometimes towards the end of remote learning. And that's probably been a big challenge for our year 12s, just having that disrupted year. And, and losing out on some of those kind of milestones, things that we used to get, you know, year 12s, like, like formals and socials and things like that. Um, but their resilience has been pretty amazing. Like I'm in awe of them <laughs> and the way that they've tried just to keep on bouncing back and, and, and also like showing leadership for the rest of the school as well. Yeah, I'm just pretty in awe of them. And Taylor, how about at Ararat College? How are students going? Um, very much the same as Steph. I feel like the resilience in our students has been quite high and I'm like really happy that they've been as resilient as they have been. Um, obviously, we've had a few concerns around maybe some anxiety um, around COVID and sort of how that looks for them. Um, and yeah, just that lack of motivation that comes along with doing your work from home and those sorts of things. But um, as a school, we've tried to be super proactive um, with our approach towards combating some of those feelings and some of those um, concerns that they've been having. And that's worked really well in yeah, creating that resilience. This week's announcement, um, on the, just on the weekend, regarding the return to school next term, uh, all students are going to be back from the second week next term, BCE, um, in, the, in that first week for some assessments like the GATT. Do you think that direct, you know, this is when we're coming back now, will that play as a positive for students now that they have a direct line of sight for when they're returning to the classroom? Yeah, I think so. And I think that's probably what we've all been seeking for the past little while we've just wanting to know when it's going to happen and what and how that's going to look so now that we've sort of got something to prepare for we can now start putting some strategies in place for the students um, to make sure that their transition back to school is, is can run as smoothly as possible and I think obviously having school holidays in there is definitely going to help to give those students some downtime to prepare for the returning term four. Has that uncertainty been playing a little bit on the students at Marion College Steph? Yeah I think so I think it probably has for students around the state and I think um, it's just nice to, to know what's happening next term um, and when kids are returning and, and just, yeah, working around that and organising around that so we can support them, not just to return to do some more work, but to actually support them emotionally and wellbeing-wise throughout that process is important too. Specifically, how are the Year 12s going at Marion College? Because it's, you know, it's the biggest year of their schooling and it's been so disrupted and unusual. Are they all staying motivated and still determined to do well in those exams at the end of the year? Yeah, by and large, I think um, those who really wanted to do well at the end of the year, they're doing their best to, to stick to their, um, their path that they wanted to take. And their resilience has been amazing. And, you know, they did they best bounce back and they, yeah, but it's not, not easy. Like I think motivation this time of year is always hard, but I think that um, they're doing a great job and doing um, just doing the best that they can in these circumstances. I want to get um, both your opinion on this next question. It's around your advice, I suppose, your message to students at the moment as we head into school holidays and then back to school next term. What's your advice to them, Taylor? My advice would definitely be um, to stick to your routine. 
as much as you can. Obviously, it's something um, from a wellbeing perspective that we've sort of encouraged throughout all of remote learning is to keep that routine and making sure you take they take the time out in um, school holidays to have that self-care and that downtime to just prepare themselves for the last term, especially those year 12s that are obviously probably going to be catching up on work over the holidays to make sure they do take some time out for themselves and we're just trying to encourage that self-care. Yeah, I think um, much the same. I think we do a positive education here as a program and part of that is looking at, you know, your character strengths. And I think in my conversations with students, it's just reminding them there's, there's more to life than, than just external achievements and, and even the hardships and ups and downs of life. What's inside you matters and your character matters and all those character strengths they're using to get through this time, that's something to be really proud of. So that my message is don't forget your, your character strengths and all the um, things about you that make you special um, and also to take care of yourself during this time as well and to, let, and to reach out when you need help. Lastly, the arrival, of the arrival of spring will see green thumbs beginning to prepare and plant their summer crop of vegetables. Permaculture designer and Ararat Food Growers Inc. president Carolyn Gemmel said it's an interesting time of the year that requires veggie growers to consider the elements. We have some nice sunny days, but I can guarantee you we've got more terrible weather coming, like lots of rain and rough weather. There are a lot of things you can get in now, but you've got to be careful not to get caught because people see beautiful weekend, plants for sale at the nursery, let's get this stuff in and all you're going to be doing is rebuying it all again in two months time. Carolyn recommends that gardeners begin by preparing their soil now, working to build up its biology. Because it's actually the interactions between the microbes in the soil and the plant roots that give you the growth. So now's a good time for lots of mulch, manure, making compost piles everywhere. Once the soil is prepared, there are a range of vegetables that can be planted now, but others are better to be planted next month when the frost and wintry weather has passed. So that's the sorts of things that can go in now, is silver beet, spinach, all your types of salad mix. Yep. Anything that's to do with onions, so onions, salad onions, spring onions, can all go in now. A lot of root vegetables are quite tough as well. They can handle the, uh, they'll all ger start to germinate now, but they can, they can go through the, the cold days that we've still got ahead of us. So anything like carrots, uh, beetroot, radishes, mm -hmm. those sorts of things can all go in now. She said it's best to hold off on tomatoes, capsicums, chilies and eggplants until early November and less planting from seed. So you can start them now from seed, but you don't want to transplant them out until the start of November. So it's that old... Uh, saying about waiting till Melbourne Cup. Uh, that was an interview, an uh, interesting interview to edit, cutting out all the roosters crowing in the background, but I managed to prevent any cockadoodle-doos from ruining it. That brings me to the end of this week's show. Thank you for joining me. If you are lucky enough to be on holidays, enjoy them. All previous episodes of Our Rats Latest can be found on your favourite podcasting app. Stay safe. This was Our Rats Latest. Mm -hmm.